seek above all for a game worth playing. Hello and welcome to this episode of Make Yoga Magic Again, the House of Mages podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Arulian Cumming. The House of Mages is an online school of yoga, tantra, and the magical arts. We run yoga teacher training and have a membership platform that gives you access to an extensive curriculum in developing your magical abilities with some of the best teachers in the world on various esoteric arts. In this episode, I chat with Jessica Bellantonio, I really resonated with Jessica's story as we both seem to have really connected with social media in a similar way. Years ago, I was going through what was one of the darkest periods of my life, which was exacerbated by the fact that I was just dealing with it and not really sharing what I was going through with anyone. For some reason, I decided to start writing about what I was experiencing and shared it on Instagram and social media. I got a message from someone who I hadn't seen or spoken to in a long time explaining that she was going through something similar and the posts I shared made her feel seen and understood. This sparked something in me that not only made me feel less alone in that others were feeling the same, but that I could transmute my negative experiences into something positive. From my chats with Jessica, it seemed that her path started in a very similar way. We often hear the negative effects of social media which are very real and valid, but we often overlook the positive potential it can have as a medium for sharing our experiences in a way that may not as easily be possible without such tools. My guest for this episode is a perfect person to chat with about this, as well as many other things. Jessica is someone who likes to dive deep into any topic and is constantly finding herself wanting to learn endlessly about different topics that don't commonly arise in day-to-day conversations. Fascinated by how absolutely bizarre this human experience is, enjoying and marveling at the ludicrousness of our shared reality. She often ponders about the ways we live our lives in different corners of the world, each having our own habits and rituals mostly unconsciously, and how we tend to make our lives so much harder than they need to be by often taking things unnecessarily serious. She is an artist, a yogi, a writer, muser, and sharer of the weird inner goings-on of her unique inner world, helping to give permission for others to do the same. I'm very excited to have her share her powerful story, her light-hearted lens, and playful positivity with you all. So without further ado, please welcome my guest for this episode, Jessica Bellantonio. I actually can't remember how we connected in the first place. It was it was via Instagram or Facebook, I'm sure. And yeah, and then so Jess ended up uh, being one of the participants for the original Ritual Embodiment Yoga Teacher Training Program, which was supposed to run in Bali about a year or so ago, right before this whole interesting situation in the world happened. And so since then, obviously, if you've been listening in, you'll see that we've moved everything online and it's 
you know, kind of paved the way for this whole magic yoga school. Um, but yeah, Jess has, has basically been part of the original crew and um, has kind of been so good about the whole situation. And yeah, we've just been keeping in touch since then. And we were chatting yesterday um, about the yoga teacher training program. And yeah, I just thought it'd be really good to have a proper chat to her because yeah, she's just a really interesting human. And I'm really interested in just kind of having a conversation. A few of the chats we've had, I feel like of, yeah, kind of had the potential to be some really interesting ones to record. So, yeah, so welcome and thank you for joining me. No, thank you so much for having me on. It was honestly really unexpected. So, um, yeah, I mean, the chats that we've had have gone on for a while, so I feel like we could probably talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we seem yeah. to kind of bounce off the same kind of ideas, which is really cool. But, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to start with, um, yeah, kind of, how you came to be interested in yoga and um yeah I guess because that's how we met so yeah what kind of drew you to the path of yoga and yeah if you've got like somewhere really where it started or somewhere where you could kind of like a trace trace a route of your interest in it um you know it's funny I actually kind of came to yoga at um, a time in my life where I didn't really have a healthy relationship with exercise so Yoga was kind of, um, it, it kind of came to me when I was really kind of like heavily into exercise. And for me, yoga initially was that whole physical practice. It was like the really heavy vinyasa flows and the really long, you know, physically exertive classes. And I kind of skipped through the, I guess, the more um, connected breath work and, you know, the more spiritual part of the practice. Um and it just kind of developed from there. So it was just that unhealthy relationship with exercise, getting through that and becoming, I guess, more and more in tune with my body and, you know, what else I was getting from yoga. And it just developed from there. So I initially started on YouTube, just following classes on there. And then I started taking classes in person. And um, like my first yoga teacher in person, her classes were so different to what I was used to. Like I was used to this heavy vinyasa kind of ashtanga practices and yeah. I went there the first time and it was like really uh it was just so different it was a lot more yin like really slow and then there was a lot of mantra we used a lot of mantra we used music kind of sound healing meditation and it just kind of opened up this whole new world of oh this is kind of what yoga is like it's it's not just this physical practice which I feel like you know in the west we kind of we kind of do that yoga is it's just exercise or it's just stretching. Mm. It's, we don't kind of relate it to that whole spiritual connectedness, which I believe yoga truly is like at its core. That's, that's what yoga is. It's so much more than just the physical asana, which like, like I said, is really overlooked, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was kind of how I came to it. <laughs> and then my yeah, and, and how was that? Cause I can imagine, cause I mean, I, I have the same thing and I'm sure everyone did because I think we, we think of yoga as the first thing, the first yoga that we do. Yeah. And so, and it sounds like you kind of went on one end of the spectrum and then you went to your first, especially being your first in-person class, you're like, I'm ready to sweat. I'm ready to do this. And then, you know, <laughs> we get like a, I remember, yeah, when I first went to the, uh, my kind of class, first class like that, I was used to going to like gym yoga classes because at the time I was, you know, heavy into fitness and stuff and had this softly spoken lady. It's like, all right, everybody, you're just going to, just take a nice big breath in. And I was like, did I come to the right class? I mean, I like, you know, there's a big part of me that liked it, but. <laughs> <laughs> so unexpected. But 
Yeah, no, it was really good. And it just, like I said, it opened up like such a whole new world. It's like, oh, okay. I had no idea that this was even a part of yoga. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of helped develop my, I suppose, relationship with exercise, but my relationship with self, like my mental health. And because at that time in my life, I wasn't so good mentally. Like I, I went through a lot of depression, went through a lot of anxiety, and it was just a really unhealthy point in my growth, I guess. So yoga was kind of that pathway to, oh, there is so much more to life. There is so much more to yourself. There's so much more to connect with, not only within yourself, but within the world around you. And yoga just connected me to that. And like I said, it just kind of progressed from there. But yeah, I'm honestly so grateful that it came into my life when it did because I don't know where I'd be now. Yeah, Yeah, awesome. So so I'm interested because what you were saying, your your relationship with exercise, what was the difference in what you found? Because did you look up other exercise things on YouTube before you found yoga or like what was it that made you even even put in that search term? Because I'm, I'm really interested to know because I guess like similar people go to both, but then also there is a bit of a divide in them as well. Um, so I, I was originally doing a lot of, I don't know if you've heard of Fitness Blender on YouTube, but they do nah. a lot of high intensity interval training kind of workout. So yeah. that was initially what I was doing and spending a lot of time doing. I do, you know, hours a day. So I was really hard on my body doing that and then doing heavy weights and forcing myself to run and just it was a whole mess. <laughs> but I don't remember exactly what I typed into the search bar, but it would have been I don't know, but the class that I came to is a bit of a interval style yoga. So it was a mm. yoga for intermixed with um interval training I guess so it was kind of a mix of both which was perfect because I kind of wanted to stretch as well because I was too lazy to stretch afterwards <laughs> I was like no yeah. that's mental I need to be doing the heavy stuff so I was like oh if I can maybe mix you know some stretching in with the workout maybe that'll be the way to go and then yeah I came across the said vinyasa flow and I loved it I loved it so much and then I started doing some of her classes and you know, she had those heavier classes, the faster pace, the mm, more strength focused classes, which were really good for me at the time. I guess it didn't necessarily help the whole exercise addiction, but yeah, but yeah it opened up that pathway, which was great. So. Yeah. Yeah. We have a very like similar way that we got into it. Cause yeah, I was doing really into the high intensity interval training. Like I was doing a bit of CrossFit and other things, but I was really into like, have you heard of Kayla Itzens? Like her yeah. kind of, um, yeah, hers were intense. It was actually like a good friend of mine. She was she was doing her workouts, and then she's like, "Do you want a real workout? Try this." And I was like, "This will be easy." And I remember I just couldn't walk. It was like jump squats and um, jump lunges, and uh, uh, it was crazy. Yeah, but it was so good. And yeah, I got addicted to that kind of stuff. And so um, yeah, but it's so interesting. The like it's it's kind of, yoga is kind of like a gateway into spirituality. And, and normalizing it a little bit um, yeah. because I'm really interested to what um, to get to the spiritual side of it, even just like how you found it, um, how it was like, did it relate to anything you were doing before? Like, um, yeah, how's your kind of spiritual journey evolved? I know that's like a broad term, but I guess, um, yeah, even from the start, like were you always interested in like the cosmos and the unknown or was it something that sparked from yoga or something else? Oh, that's <laughs> big. Just a, just a little question. <laughs> just a little one. Um, 
I think from a young age, not quite going into spirituality yet, but from a young age, I've always been quite drawn to witchcraft. Um, I, you know, I've always been really interested in fantasy as a genre, as mm. um, just the, I suppose the removing ourselves from reality, the stuff that's kind of unknown, that whole mystical element of, you know, what we don't find in our everyday life. So that's always like really intrigued me and attracted me to something more I don't know if when I was younger that I necessarily recognized it as such but now that I'm more aware of where I am currently and my perception and views of the world I think a lot of it stemmed from that originally Mm. um then spirituality I would say was definitely brought on a lot by yoga um especially going through those darker times where I did have you know the depression and the lower times through my teenage years um you know I I I went pretty low and that was it was a hard time for me it was a hard time for my family and then coming out the other side of that and becoming more connected with myself and where I am it just kind of opened up that spiritual practice of I suppose you know taking better self-care and then that led into, you know, looking into breath work and how that affected my physical body as well as kind of, um, I suppose, the connection that I have between my mind, body and spirit, I guess, if that's how you want to look at it. Um, Mm. I know people have different words for it and kind of relate to themselves differently. But for me, it really is all about connection and spirituality and uh, I, I don't even know how to explain, you know, how I feel about everything. But, yeah, spirituality to me is just, it's everything. It's that whole connected connectedness with, you know, myself, yoga, the world around me, others. Um, as quite an empathic person, I find, you know, energy is really a strong point for me. Like I, I feel other people's energy quite strongly. And, um again, that kind of leads into, you know, my view on spirituality. I think it's all connected, but mm. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's- no, it's good. That's good. like a big question. Cause I'm just curious because, and it's partly why I think I wanted to chat to you because when we have chatted, like you seem to have a similar perspective to me and that you can kind of put yourself in other situations and kind of put yourself in other perspectives yeah. and kind of like see it in that kind of new non-dual way. And I think, now more than ever, it's really important. And, you know, it's not like I'm trying to get people to to look at things in the same way, but it's just offer other perspectives. And I think out of everything, that's what I'm most interested in bringing across through this podcast. And I guess through my, through my Dharma, through my, my purpose is to offer other lenses to, to help people see. And that's interesting because you were talking about how you kind of grow up with fantasy and with witchcraft, which I'll I'll ask about it more in a second. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing because, you know, we can we can change the external all we want, mm-hmm. but if we're still looking at it from the same lens, uh, it's not really, nothing much is going to change. Um, and, we'll, and we'll constantly always be looking at changing our external environment. Whereas like, you know, I think it's like, you know, do you ever have one of those things when you were a kid, where like that kaleidoscope thing where you press the thing and it like changed the, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's, it's like, um, you know, you talking about how you perceive things is offering people maybe your own little kaleidoscope thing 
I understand mm-hmm. that some people are probably listening to this and not knowing what I'm what I'm doing because um if you're not watching the video but I'm I'm putting my hands in front trying to illustrate it. Hopefully you know what I'm talking about and does not sound like a crazy person. Um, but yeah, so that's uh yeah what I'm really interested in, and so I'm interested in how you, I guess, what's going on in the world at the moment, um, what was happening back um, when you were in that kind of um, dark, dark space. Like, how did you shift your, yeah, your perspective and what was it that really helped you more than anything? Like, if you could give advice to somebody who is in, like, a dark place now or has been, like, what is there, is there, like, a key? Is there a trick or is there a hack? Um, What would, if you can simplify it in some way? Uh, See, it's hard because I know everyone's situation is different. And, you know, like I, I was very lucky. I had a family who was there to support me. And I know other people who are going through those hard times don't necessarily always have that. They might be very alone. They might not have that connectedness and support around them, which kind of makes it hard because then you feel like, well, what am I doing it for? Especially if you have that feeling of hopelessness already. It's like, what's the point? What's the point in, you know, looking for something more, something better? Why? No one cares. I'm by myself. Um so I guess it's it's tricky. It's a tricky question. But I think, you know, I have spoken to people who are in those dark places. And I think the key is really, you know, they have to want to get better. They have to want to make it better. They have to want something more because, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. Mm. It's entirely up to them. Um, they have to make that decision within themselves. And when they do, then you can be there to help them and kind of guide them and show them other things. But when they're in that space, all you can do is, you know, be there to hold their hand and show them that you're there. Like they're not alone. And there are things that are better. You can show them the positive things. You can lead by example. You can show that there's more than that, you know, the dark lower <laughs> space that they're currently inhabiting. Yeah. And it's not about just being like, oh, you know, sunshine, roses, think positive thoughts. It's not as simple as that when you're in that space. It's really not as simple as that. Yeah. But just being there to hold the hand, know that, you know, there are better things. <laughs> yeah. And what, what was it for you that, that helped? Because yeah, it is very personal and it was a really hard question. So you answered it really well, but yeah, what was it for you um, in particular? I think for me, I, I had gone through it for a long time. Like I was in and out of hospital for four or five years and I had attempted suicide two or three times nearly died I had scared my parents half to death I had you know tried to kill myself and survived and I think that to me was like a sign you know something needs to change this can't go on and you survived for a reason like why are you doing this to yourself this can't be all your life is worth you know you you can offer more to the world and I think that for me that was like the biggest thing is like okay well I need to do something to change this because I have literally wasted five years of my life. (laughs) Like, why am I doing this to myself? What am I gaining from it? Does it make me happy? I'm not happy. So obviously something needs to change. And from there, I guess it it just did. Um, You know, that's probably when I started really heavily getting into social media. I was kind of, you know, on that upward, (laughs) upward spiral of, okay, things can get better. I can start making a positive difference into the lives of others, which yeah, kind of sparked that whole journey, which was Mm. important for me at the time. Cause it also, I feel kind of left me accountable. You know, I was 
putting on a show not only for myself but for other people so I was like okay if I want to help others be better then I've got to lead by example you know and you got to stick around exactly exactly yeah my biggest turning point yeah I really love that yeah thank you for sharing um yeah it's interesting it's it's funny our similarities because I really started getting into social media and especially Instagram um, when I was in a really dark place, I, you know, it just, I feel like when, you know, it rains, it pours kind of thing was going through a breakup, going through a lot of different things. Yeah. And I, I just felt like the only way to get it out is to write it. And so I wrote it and I just put it up as like a post on Instagram, kind of like a, like a self journal. And then I had like a, just one message from somebody just saying, Hey, like I really resonate with what you're saying. Like I feel the exact same way. And like, that was a turning point for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it really just sparked something in me that one, I'm not alone and two, yeah, like purpose. And I, I've got to like share this. It can help other people because I'd really love to chat to you because I think I, I see and hear a lot about the negative aspects of social media, but there's so many positives to it. And I'm sure you've had the same experiences with me of like, oh, maybe I should just delete everything and quit and I'm like <laughs> just, you know, be a proper human out in nature again and um. But yeah, there's like, I've always decided not to because I feel like there's so much, so much beauty and so much benefit. Like we wouldn't have connected otherwise, right? So, exactly. you know, what <laughs> would you, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what a question to ask, but do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, what's your thoughts yeah. on all that? Oh, look, I've looked at it from both ends as well. I'm like, yes, there are some really negative aspects of it. And, you know, back when I started social media, there was that heavy influence on, you know, it was that still, you know, as a, as a woman, it's that whole really super skinny, you've got to have a thigh gap, you've got to have, you know, collarbones. It was that really heavily focused on appearance. And from that aspect, social media is not good. You know, it can have that really unhealthy influence, especially on young girls, young boys, because, you know, you have this, I suppose, perfectionized view of the world because people only highlight specific areas of their life you think they live this perfect life and you know they could literally be crying in a corner when they're not taking this perfect photo so from that aspect I think it's not such a great thing but like anything there's that duality you know you have that positive effect where you can connect with so many like-minded people all over the world which is so incredible um I've met people from Germany from Holland from Um, South America there's just so many incredible relationships that I've made through social media (laughs) so there is that positive effect of it and the fact that you can positively influence people who are going through a hard time or who just need a bit of motivation in their life there's that positive you know effect that you have and connectedness that you have with so many people, like hundreds of thousands of people who you wouldn't have been able to connect with at all, you know, without that social media presence. So duality, you know, positive yeah. and negatives. But yeah, I 100% get what you mean. Um, it depends how you look at it. Like anything, you know, there's never one side to the story. There's the good and the bad. And it depends on your relationship with it, I think. And that comes yeah. from the relationship itself. <laughs> For sure. And I really liked what you were saying yesterday, how that, because you you kind of like jump on for a little while and then you jump off um, yeah. because you said you want to you want to make sure that you can be present when you show up on there you don't really want to like show up and just put up a post just to make sure the algorithms are like you know are in your favor and um, yeah you want to kind of show up fully and I've never really heard anyone put it that way before and I, I really liked it and it actually sparked something in me to you know I, I guess I do try to do that but 
I also like, to be honest, chase the algorithms because like, I know like, you know, you probably as well have been punished by, you know, trying to create a bit of a, an account and, and be punished because of that. But yeah, it's like finding the balance between like, why are you doing this in the first place? Um, and I think we do, we like, we lose track of, of why we started doing that sort of stuff in the first place. Um, so yeah, like what would you, what advice would you give to someone who is having, I guess, a, a love hate relationship with social media at the moment? Like if there's any advice you could give to someone. Uh, see, that's a tricky one as well, because for everyone it's a little bit different. I mean, uh, at least speaking from experience. From yeah. I was going to say, what do you, what do you do? Like, well, how's your relationship with it at the moment? Like, how do you, how do you use it? Both through your own personal experience and sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, look, in the past, it was, I found when I started initially, it was easier because I was still at school, you know, I was doing my year 11 and 12, but I was doing it via distance ed, distance education. Um, so I had like more free time, more free energy to put into like what I wanted to create. When I started working and I had less time, I had less energy and I found that I wasn't able to be fully present. You know, I kind of liken it to having a conversation with someone, but being on your phone. It's like, you're listening to what they're saying. You might be throwing in a few words here or there, but you're not actually paying full attention. You're not really present with it. Mm. For me, that's the same when I post, when I'm connecting with, you know, individuals. I may not see them as people, but they're still reading my words on their phone or they're still, you know, watching my reels on IGTV. They're still paying attention. So for me, if I'm not present, I feel it's not authentic. And for me, authenticity is a huge thing. So if I can't be fully present and authentic with the content that I'm putting out, I feel it's not genuine and I feel like it doesn't bring the same value to people's lives than, or if I was present and if I was being genuine with what I'm saying, I feel that there's a lot more meaning behind it and people can gain more from that Mm. if I'm really connected with them, you know? I think there's a lot more meaning (laughs) and I suppose goodness to be gained from it you know if you're going to put content out into the world at least make it matter at least make it personal at least make it real because there is enough fake bs (laughs) on social media (laughs) that people don't need more in their life you don't need to contribute more bs we've got enough of that (laughs) (laughs) i think it's important to find that balance you know if you can feel if you feel that you're spending too much time on social media and it's draining you then that's not a good thing. You need to look at, you know, where you can start cutting it out of your life or, you know, what leaves you feeling, leaving your cup full versus leaving your cup empty. It's Mm. kind of in between. But yeah, for everyone that's going to be different. Some people can put in, you know, 24 hours work (laughs) over the space of a week and find that that's fine for them. Whereas other people, it might just be a post every second day. It might be, you know, once a week. And I know it's hard if you intend to make social media your means of, um, I suppose, business, if that's how you intend to make money. But then I also feel like you're less likely to have a nine to five job elsewhere. Like you're going to have more energy to put into social media. Whereas if you're someone who works nine to five, but still wants to have a presence on social media, you're more likely to only be wanting to say post once, twice a week. So Mm. again, it's really unique to every person and their own situation. But it's, yeah, I mean, (laughs) everyone's going to find their own balance as long as they feel good about it. 
Yeah, and I guess finding your own way of showing up, I think, as well. I think people forget that there's so many different avenues to do that. I was actually chatting with a friend today um, about podcasts and things like that and and how I'm finding after doing a lot of these podcasts that this is really, like, my natural way, like, and I really enjoy it. I'd much rather, like, have these conversations and put content out this way uh, than to, you know, do a lot of posts and, and, and do all those kind of things if that makes sense yeah 100%. um so like how do you because you probably because you've created videos before in the past you do posts uh like um you know graphic content not so graphic content um like as, as far as like you take pictures because um do you do a bit of photography and things like that I would actually like to get into photography at some point like actually look into it and um learning a lot more about it because for me you know it's just pull out your phone take a snap here or there but yeah actually kind of study it and learn more so that I can improve my content in the future. And that includes video and whatnot. Um, <laughs> but no, like I, I enjoy writing things because I find like even this now kind of thinking things off the top of my head, I struggle a bit. Whereas if I can write it down, it kind of, it's a bit more conducive, makes a bit more sense. Whereas when I'm yeah. just talking, <laughs> I run off on a tangent and doesn't always make the most sense. So writing is good for me. I think they're both good, but yeah, you're right. Like, you know, you can, you can really simplify and um, yeah, consolidate a lot of ideas into writing and make it a little bit more like uh, palatable. But I also really like, I love the tangents. I love the, I mean, I I feel like, yeah, in this kind of medium, there's just so much more opportunity to go on um, tangents. And that's why as well, like I didn't, I don't like giving people a lot of like pre-made questions because I just like to see where things flow and, and always putting people on the spot a little bit, like even some of these questions, like I didn't really even plan on asking and you definitely didn't even um, know that they were coming, but yeah. And they're, they're big questions. So it's interesting to see what your like psyche pulls out last minute, because like, even when I've like taught classes or, or presented at um, like festivals and stuff, mm. I plan, but I like to leave a little bit of gap because that's where I think magic happens. Like, sure. because I think that we don't realize how capable we are of doing things unless we're actually put on a spot and Mm -hmm. like kind of put in under pressure a little bit. Um, And yes, it can be, yeah, like, you know, it can be make you feel a bit anxious and overwhelmed, but I think that little bit of pressure can actually pull out some amazing things and we don't realize until like, until we've actually got that opportunity to do it, like what is inside of us and, um, yeah. Have you got any moments you can think of that like that's happened or? Oh, oh. Um, can I use a physical representation as a, sure. <laughs> as a scenario? I remember doing uh, a dance audition ones and we were supposed to have choreographed something pre-made and I'm hopeless at choreographing. So I totally <laughs> styled the whole thing, but I yeah. nailed the audition and I got through <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just put on the music and that was it. But yeah, that's that's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> but yeah, no, I know what you mean. I mean, I've you know seen some people do amazing things under pressure when they had no idea what was coming, and then they've achieved something absolutely miraculous. Just you know, pulling it out of a hat. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I love like yoga. Like I love psychology in general, but I'm realizing it's like the more I delve into yoga and Tantra, especially um, how much it explains the psyche. And, you know, like, even though you freestyle that, like your subconscious might've been working on that 
on that freestyle routine for a while. So like, you might've been like, I've got to do this like dance, dance audition. And then your psyche is just like, all right, I'll, I'll work on it. You just go about your business and then like your body. And that's the thing, like your, um, you, you know, your body has a mind as well. And I think there's like, we just don't give, yeah. Cause I'm really interested because I, I love that you brought up your relationship with exercise and all that sort of stuff because, and, and how you even like said, like mind, body, spirit, because we do tend to separate them. And I think people have like better relationships with certain parts of themselves. Um, but really it's all, it's all integrated. Um, and yeah, so I'd love to chat about that more, but I, but while I um, mentioned the word magic, I want to get onto that actually, before I forget about it. Um, cause I, otherwise we're going to go on a million different tangents and I won't get to chat to you about, um, all the other things. So we might, we might have to do a part two, but I would love to know what, your relationship with magic is like what the word means to you um when you were talking about you got into witchcraft like what what does that mean like is there certain authors or books or um yeah just all the things (laughs) (laughs) okay um I think when I was younger the first thing that really got me into witchcraft itself was did you ever watch Charmed as a kid? Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely loved that show that was probably my favorite thing growing up yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's just, there's always been something about it. And then I read, um, I read the book Aragon, like the Aragon series. Yeah. I've read um, the first one of the series. I haven't read the other, I think there's three, is it? Four. Yeah. Four. I think yeah. it was originally meant to be three, but he ended up making four. Um, and then of course, like Harry Potter. I mean, everyone knows Harry Potter, but <laughs> I know I've just, I've always felt that there's more to reality than what we necessarily perceive. I mean, I feel like we're very limited in what is actually happening within our reality. Um, And the more you kind of tune in with with yourself, the more you tune in with your intuition, the more you kind of start feeling things more than you can see. I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, you know, you just feel like there is more. And I feel with magic, magic just means, it means a lot to me. I don't necessarily look at it as all like just spells and (laughs) you know your typical Harry Potter stuff I think magic is kind of it's that ethereal it's the kind of the unseen the mystical the the stuff that we don't pay attention to the stuff that we just you know attribute as nonsense within society I think there's there's just so much to learn and there's so much to see and to feel and I feel like the physical world that we perceive is limited. It's it's not all there is. <laughs> and to me, magic is that kind of like the unknown, that element of more, I guess. But, yeah, I suppose what brought me into it was those kind of things, like the fan- fantasy worlds, the, the different worlds, the possibility of more, that we are capable of more than we necessarily accept within the world that we live in and the the idea that we can do stuff with our minds that we can use nature to heal to um protect us from things that I don't know how much of it is actually just mental you know placebo effect but I just I feel like I have this innate feeling that there is more and that we are capable of so much more and to me yeah that magic is kind of the root of that (laughs) magic spirituality it's all kind of um, intermingles in my head. <laughs> it all kind of links into one. But, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have a very similar perspective. And yeah, it is so much more than um, just spells and um, because that's really the outward expression of things. And I think that's what happens is there's a concept and then people have different ways of expressing that. And then people experience one way of expressing that and then they label that as, as the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, like I, I'm interested to know your first, if you can remember, or just like any, any notable experiences you've had with bringing that into reality. Like was it straight away you're like, oh, this stuff's real and this stuff's like a part of my reality or was there like doubt there and skepticism and then something weird happened and and how did you bring that into the world? Were you like open with it with other people or you're like, I'm never telling anyone about this sort of stuff? Or, yeah. How how was it in your world? Um ooh. for me I've always kind of like really kept it to myself because a lot of the people in my life aren't very open to these kind of things. Like now nowadays that I'm more connected with myself and um with what I'm intrigued by and, you know, what actually things mean to me. I am coming across more and more like-minded people. I think that was one of the reasons I connected with you and ritual embodiment was because you were, you know, um, you were intermingling yoga with this whole, you know, ritual with ruins, which with magic, it was something that really drew me to ritual embodiment. Um, So yeah, like, the like-minded people has been hard to find. That's been more recent thing. And now that I am more open about it, I think I've accepted it more within myself, you know, being open to these things, being more accepting of these things, implementing more spiritual practices, more yoga, more breath work, you know, burning sage, (laughs) doing full moon stuff. Um, Like it's just a whole thing that I suppose it's becoming more real to me. So it's becoming more real within my reality. You know, the more you allow things in, the more you'll find things to support your view of things. Don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, <laughs> definitely. Your own reality, the more you bring into your own reality. Um, I don't know of an exact point in my life where it became more real. It's just kind of been an ongoing thing. The more I develop my own journey, the more it kind of comes into my life, I guess. But yeah, I sorry, I can't really think of an exact situation. It's um yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, that's all good. I mean, I'm I'm a bit the same, like it's yeah. Yeah, like for me it's like a feeling and it's like a you know, there there are notable parts of my life, but um yeah, it's it's just always been like this underlying feeling that you yeah. want more and you want to seek more and you're kind of like trying to peek behind the curtain type of thing of like um elements and it's like okay this feels really interesting or I'm kind of really drawn to this I want to know more about this and it's all about that feeling yeah it's not so much a conscious thing it's just kind of that innate feeling that you have about specific things specific people specific areas it's for me it's all about feeling and I think um that's that's where a lot of people get confused because they're always trying to think about things logically and they don't necessarily connect with you know, that feeling within themselves or within the space that they're in, they're consciously or unconsciously trying to understand things, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think we tend to, as people, as a population, as a society, we tend to overthink things and be too much in our head rather than in our heart space, which I think is why a lot of people struggle with a lot of things. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a there's a quote I really like, and it's um, how's it go? It's uh, knowledge is just a rumor until it lives in the body. Um, yeah. So I actually got it from. Have you ever seen a series called The OA? I I think I watched like, the first season of it or the first. Yeah, season. it's really good. Yeah. I I, got, I can't remember where, but I'm pretty sure the quote was in there somewhere. Um, but it's actually apparently it's like a like an Indonesian proverb. I looked looked it up after, but yeah, I think that's because at the start we have to intellectualize things because you know we have to learn about it we you know we have to think about it although some things do come up intuitively i think it's like installing installing an idea and then playing with it and then eventually like our body gets to know it and then our body can really like express it in unique ways and you know even like your experience with the dance freestyle right so you you would have first like intellectualized dance and then your body will would have absorbed it and then i think there's a period of like kind of that's hidden where your body is kind of absorbing and your subconscious is working out its only way of doing stuff and you don't know that you've actually absorbed it until you go and do a freestyle audition dance audition and then like all this like this magical stuff happens and then afterwards everyone's like wow that's really good choreography and like yeah, yeah choreography <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh, so true yeah. But it's like muscle memory, you know, your body holds on to things. Same with trauma. The body holds on to things. We may not necessarily be conscious of it, but the body is holding on to it. And mm. yeah, again, yoga comes into that as well. It's the body does a lot of things which we're not consciously aware of. <laughs> but I, I think that's really cool in its own way. Um it, people don't know enough about it. And I think, you know, a lot of healing could be done if people knew what their body was capable of and what their body does for them on a daily basis, it's not all up here. It's yeah. so much more than that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's like a really good definition of yoga that I've, I've heard is um, it's just like the art and science of getting to know yourself mm. and, you know, and that's what like even different classes, you know, like maybe going to that yin class, that like really slow class, like, you know, you may have liked it and, and enjoyed it, but maybe there's a part of you that was like, I just want to move and sweat. I don't want to be with all my, all my thoughts and everything that's coming up. And, you know, a lot of, it's interesting because um, I've chatted to people who've had those experiences and they don't go to yin classes. They don't go to those kind of classes because yeah, it's too confronting and they, they, you know, talk themselves out of it. They're like, no, I just want to move. That's how I feel good. Um, and, you know, the opposite can be true as well, but sometimes what we have most resistance to, we, we really need, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah and um yeah and and you're right like the you know i don't know if you've read the body keeps the score but that's like an, an amazing book of um really how the body holds on to trauma and different things and um and even what you're talking about before the placebo effect because you know i don't understand how magic works like i've i i my my kind of engineer uh left brain want to unravel everything side of me wants to know but i i really think there's like a part that i will never know about and and that we're all so different, like, and that's that's a tricky part as well. Um, you know, what works for you might not work for me, and um, I wanted to talk about it anyway. And this is a good this is a good um, bridge to it. But even nutrition, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's it's you know what works for one person can be so different for the other, and that's why like yoga has like Ayurveda, um, which really tries to explain it. And um, yeah, I'd love to chat to you about your kind of. Um, yeah, your path into nutrition because we've chatted a little bit about it before and, and veganism and, yeah, just your perspective on that because, um, yeah, how how did you come into into veganism or um, plant-basedness or whatever you would 
you would call it um and nutrition and uh, yeah just getting to know yourself through through food um i'm really interested um okay well i think my interest in nutrition originally started with um it kind of all (laughs) played into part with my exercise addiction as well because i was unhealthy when i was younger i was i was overweight i wasn't very physically active Um, I was always bigger than all my classmates and I guess that kind of led into this whole, you know, unhealthy, I suppose, um, relationship with exercise and food, but that's what got me into nutrition. It's like, okay, well, I need to focus on what I'm eating. I need to be eating better. I need to be eating, you know, healthier foods, specific foods, specific times, specific amounts. And it kind of escalated from there, (laughs) became a bit more obsessive, became a little bit more, um, I suppose, unhealthy. And then, you know, the exercise came into play and it was just a whole thing. Veganism, on the other hand, has always been an ethical thing for me. From a young age, I was always very compassionate and not wanting to consume animals. My parents at the time, they're like, you're too young. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know how to eat healthy. It's not healthy to not eat meat. You know, you need your protein, you need your calcium, just the usual, you don't get this when you're vegan kind of thing. Um, so when I was like 12, 13, I kind of took a stand with that and I was like, well, okay, no, this is important to me. I don't want to consume animals anymore. So I started looking into ways that I could start implementing more plant foods so that I could still be healthy in my parents' eyes, um, but not contribute to that inhumane element, I guess, regarding, you know, food, um, And for me, it's always been more than just food. It's obviously changing Mm -hmm. my lifestyle practices, using only natural skincare, natural products, avoiding animal stuff in everything. Um, So again, it's more than just food for me. But I guess that's where you come into the whole plant-based versus vegan thing. That's a whole nother story. (laughs) So we can go into that in a minute. But yeah, so veganism initially, again, with the unhealthy exercise, it was at the time I was on social media, High carb, low fat was a big thing. That whole raw till four, raw vegan kind of thing that was, it had a very um, influential presence at the time. So I kind of got into that for a while. A lot of the YouTube videos that I made were a lot of what I eat in a day. It was very, you know, high carb, low fat, a um, little bit obsessive, probably a little bit dogmatic. <laughs> I'm a little <laughs> bit more balanced now, um, but it was important for me. It did develop a healthier relationship with food and nutrition. So I think I needed that. I mean, while it wasn't necessarily healthy, it was healthy for me at the time. And it helped develop my relationship with self and with how food affects me, with how it makes me feel, with how, you know, food is energy. It's not like you have to restrict yourself, which I think was, again, it was really important because on social media, it was all about being as skinny as possible. And they you know, you had Michelle Bridges and Kayla Zenas promoting, you know, 1200 calorie day diets, which not so great, especially yeah. as <laughs> and especially as a growing teenager, you know, we need more energy than that. And like I said, at the time, high carb, low fat, whilst it was a little bit obsessive and a little bit dogmatic, um, it really got me into that. You don't need to restrict. You don't need to be cutting your calories to achieve results. Like you can be healthy. You will be healthy eating more. So yeah, it was, it was really important for me at the time. And um, it's kind of led me to a balance now where I 
I find nutrition fascinating. I find it really interesting looking at how different foods have different nutrients, how it affects our energy levels, how eating at specific times affect our energy levels. For me, I know I can't eat first thing in the morning. It makes me feel sick, makes me feel sluggish. I definitely do better eating later on in the day. Um, I feel really good eating a lot of raw foods. I still eat a lot of cooked foods. And for me, implementing more fats after my really low fat stage has been important. So yeah, it's really helped me become more in tune with myself. But. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because um, I studied nutrition just a little bit um, when I was when I was studying fitness originally, and like the difference between the expectations between men and men and women, and especially around like um, like like um, weight and things like that. But it's interesting because women like the safe minimum uh, um, minimum fat is like three or four times more than yeah. men. So it's so safe for men to be have like, I'm not don't quote me on these like figures because I can't remember it's so long ago years ago but it was maybe like three or four percent um, body fat is safe for men whereas like the minimum body fat for women was more probably around the ten to twelve, and any less than that and it starts to affect cycles. Um, there's just so much that can go wrong with um, such a small amount of body weight. Yet women are so much more expected to have less. Um, yeah. body weight and like you know guys can kind of get away with it like yeah I'm bulking and like you know it's just like it's, it's funny that it's just yeah it's just weird I remember when I first started studying this stuff I was like society is strange it's so backward and so damaging and this is why so many people have unhealthy relationships with themselves and you know with just body image overall and it's really messed up I mean you know you have Olympic level athletes who obviously have really low body fat because that's what's expected of them. They have crazy training requirements. They have, you know, crazy fitness regimes, but they're not healthy. You know, they get amenorrhea and they lose their cycles. Like they're not exactly pictures of health while they may be crazy fit and strong and physically athletically very blessed. They're not necessarily healthy and they may pay for that later on in their life. So I think it is really important to bring mind to that. And like you said, it may be okay for men to have a lower body fat, but women, they do need that little bit more and it's not unhealthy. You know, you're not going to yeah. be fat at 10% body fat. You're still going to be really healthy, but you do need that. It's really important for physical health. So. Yeah. And it's, I think it comes back to what we're talking about social media and how it's portrayed because I know people, right. Who, who would train for a comp and, you know, men or men and women, but that's not how they, they live and operate. Like that kind of body fat percentage is only for that competition. So they might do it for a few months, but they, they even tell me as well, like all the, all the negative effects they'll have. But the thing is the the issue is that they'll take a couple, like hundreds of pictures. They'll get like a bunch of photo shoots and do tons of selfies and things while they're at that body fat and while they're at that fitness level. And then they'll keep those for years and release them, release them like years from now. And people still think that they're constantly so like people from the outside, they're like, wow, they're they they're still like that. Where I was like, I know these people. I know they're like an extra 10 kilos now. And like they're just like when they're taking selfies or doing videos, they're just doing it at, at like good angles, at you know, like kind of um <laughs> and but people perceive this and they um yeah, but it's tricky because like they obviously want to be authentic as possible, but then also like a lot of people follow them just for that and it's it's just a weird weird world and I think people are starting to be a bit more aware of it but you know we might know here like or here in our body but what we perceive still changes that 
And so, like, we kind of, yeah. You constantly have to be very uh, consciously aware of it. Like, you've got to constantly remind yourself, like, what you're seeing doesn't necessarily mean reality. You know, things yeah. can hide behind the camera. <laughs> There's a lot that can be changed when you're on your phone through Photoshop or from certain angles, from certain lighting. Like, you don't know the whole story. You don't know exactly what's going on. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I'd love to chat about um, like the ethical side of veganism a little bit more. And um, and I guess just because I, I think as well, like I we, we've chatted about it a few times, but I really like your approach because it's similar to mine in that um, just being gentle with people. And and I think this this attitude can go from, from veganism to lots of different things, even to what's happening in the world at the moment. Um, it's just, you know, just understanding that, your lens isn't going to be the same as someone else's. And though, you know, you might see this like reality of what's happening. And even though that has a lot of validity and ob- objectivity and like, you know, I I'm all with you on the ethical side of veganism. And when I first got into it, I just wanted to shout and shake people. Um, but also that approach doesn't, doesn't really work very much. And I, yeah, I understand where some people can come from, especially if they've grown up in a very different environment. Um, so yeah, what's your experience with that? And like, how do you kind of approach that? Cause obviously you're still very passionate about it, but, um, yeah. How do you approach the topic? Mm. Oh, you said it very well, you know, being gentle with people, because I think my, my mindset and mentality towards not only veganism, but, um, you know, the current world situation and just life in general, you know, be kind. You don't know what someone's going through. You know, someone could have just lost their mom. Someone might not have money to put food on their plate tonight. Like you don't know what somebody's going through. You don't know their situation. Like it's not that hard to be kind. I understand things can be frustrating at times. You can feel anger. You can feel resentment towards a certain situation, but, you know, take a step back and realize that whoever you're talking to is going to be seeing things from a different perspective. They're living a different story right now. Yes, we're all human. We're all experiencing reality, but we're all seeing it from our own perspective, from our own lens, from our own point of view. And we're all going to have a different, a a different feeling, a different opinion, a different thought process. It's not all going to be the same. Even if we do have similar opinions on something, yours is still going to be different than mine. (laughs) So I think it it is important to be gentle. And in regards to veganism, like I get that it's frustrating that people still consume animals, (laughs) that people still, you know, test on animals, that it's a really messed up industry, but you can't, I mean, a lot of us were in that situation before as well. Like most of us have consumed animals in the past. Most of us weren't aware originally, you know, the abuse and the horrible stuff that goes on in that industry. So if somebody doesn't know they can't change what they're doing. I think a lot of it is about education, you know, bringing people on the Mm. same page as you. And that doesn't mean being awful to them. And the vegans that are militant towards other vegans saying, oh, you're not vegan enough because you don't do this or you're not vegan enough because you do this. It's like, that doesn't help. That goes against the whole mindset of veganism in general. Like the whole, at least to me, the idea behind veganism is to consciously choose a path that does as little harm as possible. And to me, that's Mm. more than animals that goes towards our fellow humans as well. And that means treating everyone with kindness and respect and compassion and not hating on them because they do one thing or they don't do another thing. Like, 
it, <laughs> just be kind. It's not that hard. And yeah, you can, you can put your point of view across without being awful about it, without being hateful, without putting more negative energy into the world. You can, you can be kind and you can listen to others and hear their point of view and just try and find a middle ground, you know, and you don't have to agree with everyone. Everyone, like I said, is going to have their own point of view and that's okay. I think it's just being okay with that and understanding that everyone's at their own point in life. (laughs) Yeah. You can't force your point of view on somebody. Yeah. And kind of just meeting people where they're at because, you know, some people will understand it from a certain perspective, whereas like other people might be way over the other end of the spectrum. So you kind of, (laughs) need to like you know you can't just you know if you're literally saying like that i'm here and someone else is here and you're shouting at them over there how about you go over to them and be like oh yeah and then and then you can kind of coax them across to the to the other side um and then some yeah some things it's just like unnecessary like um and it's interesting to say that you you know you um looked into it since you were what like 12 13 years old like i can't even comprehend thinking like that at what like at that age for me because I just, I just wasn't exposed to it. Like my whole family and like everyone I knew just ate, ate a lot of meat and um, yeah. And I just wouldn't have known. So ha- having someone, you know, if I, I met you at the same age, right. You know, I just wouldn't have understood. I wouldn't have, um, I would have, yeah, I don't know how I would have reacted to it, but I just wasn't exposed because for me, it's been maybe about six or so six or seven years um, that I've been pretty much vegan. Um, but yeah, it was, it was f- through nutrition um, that I kind of entered it. And so it's a little bit different. And I say pretty much vegan because there's been instances like I was in, I was in France a few years ago and I stayed with a friend, um, that I met over here in Australia and with her and her family and her mom didn't speak much English at all. (laughs) And when I got there, like she cooked up this like massive, like feast and got the whole family there for, for it was a tiny little town in Chambéry in France. And she, she'd made fondue and bread. So it was just cheese, (laughs) melted cheese and bread. And she just wouldn't have understood. Like, you know, I could have gone on that this big like rant about how, you know, they shouldn't be eating cheese, but I, instead I just was grateful and I sat there and I had a stomach ache for the next like 24 hours because I hadn't eaten cheese in ages, but yeah, just in that situation. And I think the the problem that I have about some people's approach to like this whole thing is that like some people would literally like out me from the community for mm-hmm. doing that. Exactly. Um, and it just doesn't need to be like that. And I think, um, yeah, com- people need to have more compassion and understanding of like, you know, situations and stuff like that. So there are some situations where you literally, you do the best that you can, you know, and that doesn't make you any less vegan or any less of a person. I mean, everyone's in their situation. And like I said, you do the best that you can within that period of time. And everyone's on their own journey. So just meet them where they're at. Mm. <laughs> it really shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know it's the thing, yeah, it's a similar thing I was talking about like earlier. It's just like seeing it from different perspectives. And um, yeah, it shouldn't be that hard. Um but yeah but I understand like you you get emotional about things and that's the thing like emotion always trumps rationality and you know emotion's good it gets stuff done and you know there's been massive movements um in history that have like been caused by like emotion and you know we wouldn't have achieved some of the things but um yeah just trying to find the balance and um but uh, I got like, a few more questions that I want to ask because we're getting pretty close to the hour. Uh, so I just want to make sure I, 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 I get them in. 
Uh, so the first one is what would be your like dream job of like, if money was no object, um, what would you do if, if basically like world was in a utopia and like we had unlimited food and money and uh, then, you know, you just basically did what you want. If you wanted to create art, if you wanted to teach yoga, um, yeah, and you wouldn't you wouldn't need the money side of it. Um, what what would you do? Ah, oh, that's a really good question. Ah, <laughs> oh, there'd be so many things though. Oh, okay. Um, What's the first thing that comes to mind? First thing that comes to mind, like I've got a few things that are coming up. I would love to be able to just create art. Like that would be amazing. But um, being able to have like a community of like like minded people and just being able to kind of live like a tribe almost. That sounds really. <laughs> very um very old-fashioned but just kind of being able to you know get back to the basics of life contribute with one another and just kind of live for one another do things for someone they have like things to do for you being able to share a spiritual practice with somebody and with a group of people like I think to me it always comes back to connectedness and being able to create and experience experience life with others and I know that's not really a job but <laughs> I was gonna say what, what, would, what would be your part of the tribe like you know what if you if you were put in a tribe of oh. say like you know 50 people or something and um then that naturally like everyone kind of found their jobs what would yours be would you kind of be the mediator if like people are arguing be like guys <laughs> like you let me explain you you know you would you kind of reconnect people or would you be like out out in the edge of the forest and kind of just hanging out with squirrels and, and rabbits and um just kind of like communicating to the gods or to the to the animals and um, nature and stuff like that what would you <laughs> maybe mate why not both uh, literally um I think I mean I'd love personally to learn a lot more about healing healing with nature so like mm. being being able to you know create uh more food from nature i love cooking so learning more on that sense as well so either being a healer or a food maker <laughs> i think that would be probably within my element <laughs> yeah cool yeah like i guess that that goes well because you know like um who who's that quote from um let food be thy medicine i can't remember who it is like a greek philosopher i can't um, remember yeah. So sauerkrauts. Um. <laughs> Did you say sauerkrauts? <laughs> <laughs> Capitan sauerkrauts. <laughs> you can tell it's getting to the end of the podcast when like. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I know who talked. Socrates was it? Maybe. Oh, was that him? Yeah, I think. Yeah, maybe. Him. We'll just attribute it to all the big Greek philosophers. They're all. <laughs> <Something> like that. <laughs> um, yeah, because that leads me to the next question. Because um. This one I did ask you earlier um, is like if you were a mage, right, or if you were like a witch, what kind of like, you know, what um, what kind of mage would you be? Um, you know, you can, yeah, you can make up your own or like how would you explain yourself in in a group of mages, in, in a house of mages maybe? <laughs> um, I think elemental, like being mm. able to um, control the elements. That would be really cool. And I think personally, I feel very connected with that. I feel very connected with nature. So I think it would definitely be elemental. <laughs> and like an avatar, the last airbender kind of way. Is that what yeah, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly like that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we're definitely on the same page. If you did have to pick one element out of the main four though, um, what would you what would you pick? Ooh. Um, it's 
a tough choice, I think, between water and water and fire, actually. Mm, <laughs> like opposites, but yeah. Yeah, one or the other. It depends what mood I'm in. <laughs> What's your do you know your uh like major three star signs? Like the, you know, like sun, sun, moon and, and rising? I knew you were gonna ask that. No, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my main star signs. I'm a cancer. Okay. Yeah. So water, water sign. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I couldn't tell you my other two. <laughs> It's all good. You um get them ready for the next podcast, and we'll we'll delve more into that. <laughs> yeah, but I feel the water. I'm a Pisces as well. I've got a fair bit of water in my chart. Amazing. So the other question um, that I asked you as well earlier was um if you could have any three superpowers, mm-hmm. I guess within reason as well. Like I guess like yeah. you know some people might be like, oh, I like want all of this, but like if you could narrow it down to three specific kind of powers what would you have um i think teleportation would be really cool like being able to teleport to multiple places like that would be really cool just imagine like teleporting yourself to like bali (laughs) i understand that's that's one of my three yeah Yeah, definitely definitely yeah for sure i mean that would open up a world of possibility (laughs) um being able to fly, that would be really fun too. I've always wanted to be like, I, I always admire birds. Like I think that would be the coolest thing, being able to just fly through the air. Sounds cheesy, but yeah, flying would be amazing. And also I think um, maybe telepathy. It'd be really cool to mm. kind of see into somebody's thoughts. Because um, honestly, you never know what somebody's thinking. I mean, you may be perceptive, but you never really know what somebody's thinking. So being able to kind of... Do you really want to know, though? That's the question. No. (laughs) Do I really want to know what people are thinking? But I think being able to choose, like if you wanted to read somebody's mind, you could. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think those three. (laughs) It was a tough choice. There were some other ones that kind of came up for me. I was like... Yeah. That would be fun. It is hard. Yeah, because I thought about flying because my three would be, yeah, teleportation... Uh, telekinesis like the idea of like moving stuff with your mind and hands and stuff um and then um healing like kind of like wolverine where you just like you just yeah you wouldn't die you just keep healing because i thought about flying but then i was like well i could technically teleport into the sky and then like skydive down and then teleport back up so that could um that could also work um (laughs) but um but yeah there's actually a show i don't know if you've ever heard of it uh, it's called the tomorrow people I've heard of it. I haven't watched it. Yeah. Like it used to be like, it was actually an Australian show originally, I think. Um, okay. And then um, cause I, th- I remember watching it when I was a kid and then they remade it. Like they remade another version, which only lasted like half a season or a season, which I feel like I was the only person that was really into it. I was like, it's so good. I hope they, and then it only lasted like one season. I was so sad. Um, but they, they have the, the major, the three powers, the three T's. So they have mm-hmm. teleportation, telekinesis and telepathy. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this is yeah, this is so good." But um, it was really interesting. I think you'd like it. Okay. So maybe maybe we can maybe we can get more people into it and like get everyone to email them and see if we can get another season. That would be amazing. That would make my day for sure. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Um, is there anything else you wanted to uh, finish up with? Anything else that you wanted to uh, touch on? Oh, actually, no. I do have one last little question. 
Um, so if, if for example, uh, you, I know it sounds like morbid, but there's a, there's a reason for it. It's like, if you knew that like you were going to die in like the next week and then, but you also knew you were about to be reborn and Mm -hmm. then that you could, you could write maybe like a, I don't know, a few pages of advice that you would get given when you, I don't know, turned a teenager or something like that, you know, (laughs) just a little question (laughs) to finish off. Um, very little, Daniel. Yeah, um, I don't know. Is there like a, like a few sentences or like or like what do you think the main the main thing that you would give advice to someone to like your future self? And I know this can relate to like other people and the world and stuff, but yeah, really like something to yourself. Um, oh, okay. Uh, for me personally, um, I think it'd be something along the lines of don't care so much what other people think. (laughs) That's a big one. Um, Don't always put other people before yourself. That I think is something that I've always really struggled with. Like I'm Mm. constantly always putting other people's needs above mine. And whilst that's amazing in its own way, I feel like I've often neglected myself and my own wishes and don't always respect necessarily what I want. And I think if I could give myself advice, that'd be something that I definitely focus more on would be, you know, look after yourself because that's equally as important. You know, you can't better someone else's life if you're not mm. looking after yourself. 100%. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be my biggest set of advice that I could Yeah, give. cool. <laughs> yeah, and thank you for saying that because I think, I feel like it's almost taboo to say that a lot, especially like in the yoga world or in this like spiritual world, like that, um, yeah, I think we all want to say that, you know, we want to like change the world and put the world first. And like we do to a certain extent, but, you know, it's like that cliche saying like, you know, you got to fill your own cup first, but you really do. Like some sayings are cliche because they're like fundamental there. And that's why, yes, yeah, it's, it's usually the, like the most simple phrases that, um, that we kind of ignore. So yeah, no, thank you for saying that because I think it's really important. And yeah, people feel guilty sometimes for putting themselves first um so we live in in like a reality where we're constantly told to go 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 you know you're not supposed to rest you're supposed to constantly you know be being productive and not really looking after yourself not really taking that resting kind of space and I think that's like if anything this whole world situation has really taught us that you know being in lockdown and having to sit with yourself and I think that's why people are uncomfortable is because they're sitting within that space within themselves having to deal with their own demons having to sit within their quiet space they have to focus on themselves and that's neutral. Mm. They're not normal. It's not normalized. So people don't know how to react. People don't know how to cope. And that itself can be scary, kind of that unknown element of it. But yeah, yeah it's kind of forcing people to look after themselves, which, mm. yeah, can be tricky. <laughs> yeah. But it's a blessing in disguise, I like to think. <laughs> For sure, yeah. We can find something, something good out of everything. Exactly. Mm. cool well um yeah so where can people find you because actually that's something i forgot i was going to ask at the start um because your your instagram handle is dates with love um and yeah just quickly like how where did that come from i I meant to ask at the start Um, i forgot all about it no you're right so dates with love kind of stemmed i was just playing around with words and dates are one of my favorite fruits so (laughs) 
Um, so I was just playing up and like, oh, well, I love dates, dates with love. And it just, yeah, it just kind of escalated from there. And that's, <laughs> it just kind of stuck with me. Since. Yeah, cool. <laughs> childish, but yeah, it's, like I said, it's one of my favorite fruits. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you. I mean, like my Instagram handle is pretty childish, but, um, you know, it, it, it things just stick and it's just so much easier to, to keep them sometimes. So. Yeah, it's like the emails that you make when you're, you know, in your early teens and then you keep them through to adulthood and people look at them and they're like, what were you thinking? What oh, I've got some, <laughs> like one of my, one of my first emails um, was like Mr. Hippity Hoppity because I've always had like the rabbit thing, like the Yogi Bunny now, but like the rabbit <laughs> things always stuck around. And I remember I, I had it on a resume once at a job yeah. and um, I got the job because of it. They're like, I, I saw that and I was like, they said to me, if, if anyone applies for a job with that email, they must be confident that they're going to get the job because, like, I, I really didn't think I was going to hire you with that email address. So, yeah, so it's, I, I feel you on their old emails. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So is there any other links or any other place where um, you would recommend people finding you, getting in touch with you? Uh, not so much at the moment. Eventually. <laughs> I'm not really that present on social media right now. So Instagram is the main one where I'm actually posting occasionally. But yeah, in the future, definitely. <laughs> when I get my yoga teacher training done. Yeah. You might even see some some classes by Jess on the, on the House of Mages eventually as well. So yeah, for anyone who is interested, um, I will put a page on the House of Mages platform um, with this link to the podcast uh, where you can find all her all her stuff. And yeah, go go maybe go and message her and bug her and tell her to uh, get some yoga yoga classes up eventually on the House of Mages, and um, we'll figure something out. <laughs> Uh, yeah thank you so much um and yeah it was really great to like finally chat and i think um yeah we might have to do a part two because there's there's still a few things i want to chat to you about so there's a bunch of topics that we could delve deep into i'm sure (laughs) sure it was really good thank you so much all right thanks jess Thank you for listening and being a part of this episode of Make Yoga Magic Again, the House of Majors podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Arulian Cumming, and a huge thank you to Jessica Bellantonio for being my guest for this episode. If you'd like to connect more with Jessica, myself, or find out more about what the House of Majors does, I put all the links you need in the show description below. Thank you again, and make yoga magic again.